everyone. Welcome back to Finishing Well, our podcast for Finishing Well Ministries. Our objective here is to explore ways seniors can lead their lives well and more importantly, finish their lives well. If you happen to be under 65, please know you are also most welcome here. My name is Randy Hess, and I'm pleased to be here again with my good friend, Hal Habaker, the founder of Finishing Well Ministries. Good day, Hal. How are you doing today? Greetings, Randy. Uh, Doing very well. Have a challenging day today. I had a challenging day yesterday. Life. My daughter had a puppy that got run over and shattered their home yesterday. Lots of tears. Today, I'm officiating a funeral of a close friend who finished well. So I'm in the zone in terms of issues of life and being faithful to God. But I'm glad to be with you. I'm glad to be here as well, Hal. So what what are you thinking about what's on your mind today in terms of uh, a, a, a way to talk about finishing well? Well, as a student of Scripture, and I think we're all that, hopefully, there are myriads of examples of people in the Scriptures and how they finished, whether they finished well, whether they finished poorly, whether they were a both and. And personally, I've been a big fan student of King David for a long, long time. I would say most of my life, I've thought, prayed, studied, and reflected on the life of David. And there are some particular lessons at the end of his life that I think are very, very crucial to learn about finishing well. So I'd like to delve into his life at the end of his uh, journey and learn from him today. Sounds great, Hal. Well, let's jump right in, okay? First of all, for a location, uh, the story that I want to talk about this morning is in 2 Samuel verse twenty or chapter 24, and there's a parallel in that in 1 Chronicles 21 as well. But let's pick it up in 2 Samuel 24, and I'm just going to read the first verse and talk about this and introduce it. Verse 1, 2 Samuel 24. Now, again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and it incited David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah. So, what's going on here? In 1 Chronicles 21, the text says, Satan moved David to number Israel. So, here's what I think is happening Was it God or was it Satan? For some reason, God was displeased with something that was happening in Israel. And of course, Satan could have said, you know, I'm going to use this to bring you down, David. Uh, The chronicler in Samuel says God's anger moved him to number Israel. Either way, here's the way it plays out. David knew that God was upset about something. And he says, this is my kind of narration of what David did. You know, I'm in charge here. I'm going to find out what it is that God doesn't like, and I'm going to go number Israel. I'm going to evaluate everybody in the country, and I'm going to come up with my own conclusions about what's making God mad. Mm -hmm. So David is somewhat insecure about this issue. I would think he would know better in a sense. He knows God well. But he calls uh, Joab, the commander in Israel, to number Israel. And Joab even says, David, what in the world are you doing? 
You're the king. You're established. You know what's going on. Why are you insecure? And why do you want me to go number Israel to do whatever it is you're upset about? And by the way, that numbering took nine months or the better part of a year. So you can see David kind of smoldering about this uh, throughout this nine months. You know, what in the world is going on in his mind? He's angry. He's upset. Now, what happens here, God is upset with David on why he numbered Israel. And God sent, as a punishment to David, he sent a pestilence in Israel, which took the lives of 70,000 men. God was judging David and Israel because of whatever Israel's sin was. But he was also judging David because of his reaction, which basically I think was a sin of pride. You know, I know how to fix this. I'm the king of Israel. I'm going to number Israel. I'm going to find out what's going on, and I'm going to make God happy because I'm in charge, and I'm going to do it. God says, no way, David. This is not about your pride. This is not about you knowing how to do things. This is about learning from me. So I think, number one, it's an issue, uh, Randy, that all of us, I mean, we as leaders or we as men, we want to be in charge. And we want to think we know how to fix things. And that's exactly what David thought as the king of Israel. He thought, I know how to fix this, and I'm going to fix it my way. Meanwhile, God says, you don't know anything, David. And 70,000 men died because of David's pride in thinking he knew how to fix it his way. And then, of course, the great truth is when he realized what had happened, he repents and throws himself on the mercy of God. And he offers the sacrifice on Mount Moriah. And just, uh, you know, it's a real picture of the tendency to be very prideful in our lives, even as we grow older and feel like we've aged long enough and we know how to fix things and how to do them right. And we're going to. We're going to make the rest of the world line up. God says, Habakkuk, you don't know a thing. You know, you need to humble yourself before me and see it my way before you go into action. It certainly talks to men, doesn't it, in general? Uh, Men being, having tendencies toward the self-description or self-image of, I can fix it myself. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I'm able to do. And uh, that's what I want to do. And I don't need to ask anybody anything, including the Lord, to do it. Gets them off base, doesn't it? Really, I suppose you've seen this in the secular world. You've coached lots of executives and people out there in the marketplace. Does this resonate with you? It does. Uh, <laughs> Quite frequently, it is the issue involved in leading um, that creates problems for guys. And so uh, when it happens, it's very noticeable to almost all around the guy except for the guy involved in it. I'll put it that way, Hal. And so you, you, you know, I... 
David, of course, was a student in the sense that he wanted to do what the Lord wanted him to do. He wanted to tune into the Lord, and he did. So he learned um, that he was off track. But many uh, many guys uh, are have similar issues, bump into similar issues, who just don't seem to either reach out to learn or tune into anything or anybody to learn. And that's where it really creates problems for them. You know, I love what I learned in David here. He was a proud man and he said, I'm going to be in charge and I'm going to do it my way. But he's confronted by God and he repents. And this is when he goes to the uh, the threshing floor of Aruna. And Aruna very gracious to the king, wants to give him this place to make a sacrifice. And David says, no, I will not sacrifice to God what costs me nothing. So he pays for it, and he offers a sacrifice, and he really repents. He's, he's very moved, and he's very much changed. Satan tried to bring him down, First Chronicles 21. God dealt with him, and David repented. So I'm going to say there's a theme in life about finishing well. Uh, where does your pride take over? And we might say that at any age, you may live like that with your wife. I know how to do this. I'm going to fix it my way. Or with your kids or with your elder board or with your church or whatever you're doing. This is what I think needs to be done, and I'm going to do it my way. So people confront us and we can either, Joab confronted David and David ran right over him and said, you don't know anything. I'm going to number Israel. So he did it and God dealt with him. And to David's credit, he repented, which I love. I mean, so you talk about finishing well, your pride may continue to get in the way, but let me tell you, deal with God as he deals with you and he wants to humble us and we seek him and depend upon him. It's a great lesson from David, it's, I think. It is, and it's a great lesson for all men, actually, that especially men, and for women, but for men who do feel that they uh, see that way to solve things without asking anybody, don't need counsel, don't need input, let alone input from the Lord. But they should be praying about it, shouldn't they, Hal? They should be praying. They should be at, they should be reaching out to other godly men, shouldn't they? Amen. You know, why didn't David reach out to Joab and say, how would you solve this problem? We know God's upset. There's something going on. How do we deal with it? But no, he didn't. He just went like a bull into the china shop straight in, did things the way he wanted to do them. And it was incorrect and a sin, you'd say. But he did repent. He did. So that's the great thing about David. He always turned and embraced what God asked him to do, which I think is one of the greatest traits about finishing well. Am I doing what God wants me to do? Even when I make mistakes, do I learn and repent and come back in obedience to God? Now, Randy, there's a second thing in this, uh, in this sequence. Uh, to get this, we need to turn to 1 Kings 1. We go from 2 Samuel 24 to 1 Kings 1, and the text says, verse 1, 1 Kings 1, Now David was old, advanced in age, 
and he had a hard hard time keeping warm, and this guy is nearing the end of his age. Now, it's fascinating here. In his aging process, he never made it clear to his son Solomon that he, Solomon, was to be the king who succeeded David. So the problem is Solomon had a brother, the oldest son of David. His name was Adonijah. And Adonijah says, well, my dad is weak and he's aging and he hasn't made anything clear. So I'm going to make myself king. And Adonijah does. He gets his group of men around him, some of whom were in David's camp, his father, some of whom are his own henchmen, you might say. And he proclaims himself king. So everybody around David says, hey, what's this? What are all these voices we hear and the trumpets down here? And they say, well, your brother Adonijah is proclaiming himself as king. So Bathsheba, her wheels are turning. She said, wasn't Solomon, my son, supposed to be the king who succeeded David? So she and Nathan, the prophet Nathan, who confronted him many decades ago in his early years of reign uh, about his arrangement with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband, she goes to him and says, Nathan, we got to come up with a plan here. Because if David doesn't regain control of the kingdom, it's going to be chaos out here. I mean, the chaos had already started. So they come up with this plan. And the plan is Bathsheba will go into David and say, David, wasn't my son, our son, Solomon to be king? And Nathan said, while you're in there talking with David, I'm going to come in and cooperate everything. Now, a little insight on the chaos in there. Uh, it is said in verse 6 of 1 Kings 1, re- referring to Adonijah, the, king, the son who made himself king. Verse 6 says, his father had never crossed him at any time by asking, what have you done? You know, it's how could a dad never confront his son on anything? And so we learn in this lesson, David was a very, very passive father, mm-hmm. incredibly passive. This guy may have been a warrior. He could take on Goliath. He could take on a whole army of people. He could do anything militarily, but he was impotent when it came to leading his family. And this text makes it clear. He had never crossed his son at any time. I just think, you know, how you live your life catches up with you as you age. You never get away from it. Your weaknesses, your failures, unless you deal with them, follow you throughout all your life. So here you get to the end of David's life. He has this major weakness in his life. He had failed to lead his family, lead his son. He had failed to name Solomon as the next king and to lead that whole process. So he's confronted by Solomon's mother, Bathsheba. And the prophet Nathan says, David, you got one more chance to deal with the stuff in your past life. Step up to the plate and do it. 
And, you know, David did it. He made it clear, very clear. He went through all the paces, laid everything out, and he says, we're going to proclaim my son Solomon as king. And he did. And he did it quickly. So here, like the first problem about David, where he wants to take things into his own hands and solve the problem his own way without God, here, it's a different scenario. He's very passive, and got, there's a problem in his life, and he said, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to let somebody else deal with it. Well, it came back on him at the end of his life, and it was his problem. Now, to his credit, I love the fact that David yielded and said, you know what? You're exactly right. I don't know why I didn't name Solomon as king, but I will. So here you have the same thing. You have a problem that has traveled with King David all of his life, but he deals with it at the end and reconciles what it is that God wanted to do through his life. Again, it's, it's incredibly important to follow through on what God has for us to be and to do in this aging process. Now, I suspect, Randy, you've seen this out in the corporate world or in your own life uh, as yep. we survey and watch people in life. You know, what they don't deal with in their earlier part of life comes back to catch them off guard, you might say, even in their own family. Comes back to haunt, and it, it, it becomes even more difficult then, doesn't it? When you have ignored it back when you could have treated it relatively easily, it grows in its pain for you later. So I don't have any, <laughs> any wisdom around recognizing that, that, that it might be happening in you. All I can say is that these are uh, what I, what I sense from your um, focus today, Hal, on David's opportunities to do things in a smart way, in a God-fearing way, in a wise way, um, were for whatever reason, at a young age and an older age, ignored. And they, and, and so we're, the lesson I'm getting from this, just listening again to you, Hal, is that no matter what we have learned earlier, we can still find ways at our senior level to run ourselves off the rail in some way or other with our own family or with people's lives we, we can't help speak into and we ignore or don't worry about or just say it's not worth it to me. We can run ourselves off the rail as potential uh, assistants, helpers, friends, uh, relatives, fathers, uh, by being in a I don't need to worry about it mode. It's not my job mode or whatever we tell ourselves. I don't want to deal with it mode. And yet that is what I hear from you too, is that this is kind of your purpose for being here. In some situations, especially with sons and grandsons and family and really good friends, it's part of your purpose 
to help them when they need help, to speak to them when when you see what they don't see. And I, so is that correct, Hal? It's part of what we want to try to do in a gentle way and try to find a way to do it that that is not necessarily jumping on them and creating conflict, but rather in a helpful, loving way. Is that correct? I think it is, Randy. You know, if I were to summarize these two events in light of our six essentials, you might say, our first essential is to always grow. So David here is an old man in the first problem he had with the anger of the Lord being vented at Israel because of some problem. David doesn't want to grow in this new area. He says, I know it's the same old problem, and I'm going to fix it by the power of my right hand, and I'm going to number Israel, and I'm going to deal with it. Whereas I think God would rather have us as we age and get into problems. Well, God, what are you trying to teach me in this new problem that I'm encountering that I need to grow into? And furthermore, Do I want to learn what God is about through other people that he has placed around me to help me to grow into this situation? Exactly. But again, David doesn't want to grow. He wants to revert back to where he was and says, I'm going to do it the same old way, and I'm going to fix it with my power. And it wasn't the right thing to do. And on the second thing with his family, I mean, I just want to say, you know, David had multiple wives. He had multiple kids. So there's no way he can really process what's going on with his family, with his wife. I mean, how do you get all the the wives in your clan together and say, we got to fix, we got to process what God wants to do with all these kids that we brought (laughs) into the world. So I think David just ignores what he should have done as a father because he doesn't have anybody given an input. And it's the same thing in a a marriage. I mean, husbands and wives ought to be working on this together and say, how is God wanting us to grow as we deal with our kids as they age and as we age? You know, here's a classic point where God has a vested interest in what a dad can do with a grown son in his last, in, in his, in the dad's last days. And David was very passive on that issue. You know, we think about, you know, planning ahead when you won't be here. How, how many dads take advantage of their last years in life to communicate with their grown kids and others around them the message that God wants them to give, you know, to those around them, particularly in their own family? Uh, just the simple thing, you know, how many, how many grown men have never heard their dad say, I love you and I care about you? It's one of the messages an old father ought to give every one of his kids. Of course, you should do that all your life, but you you get to the end of life and you don't do some things well, and God gives you opportunity to make corrections, and we should. Exactly, Al. So that's the life of David for me. You see these issues in his life, and it makes a huge difference whether or not I want to solve them my way or God's way. It does. Does that make sense? Very much so. Yep. Well, I have a penchant, you might say, a deep interest in making biblical characters come alive in terms of finishing well. So stay tuned to these podcasts and the information that Finishing Well puts out there because you'll be hearing more of these studies 
that would help us to reflect on our own aging process and what the Bible teaches and encourages us in terms of how we live our lives during these aging years. I look forward to hearing more about it, Al, and hearing more about some characters, actually. It's actually a fun study. I, I look forward to it as well. So thanks, Randy, for being here with me today, and thanks for joining us on our Finishing Well Ministry podcast. You can find these at any any platform you get your podcast on or go to finishingwellministries.org forward slash podcast. Catch the latest of our thinking, and we want to encourage and challenge each one of us. Got any questions, subjects you'd love for us to deal with? Send us a note, hal at finishingwellministries.org. Have a blessed day. Let's keep living well and finishing well for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Thanks, Randy. Take care.